Today's first scripture reading is found in Isaiah 9, 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Our second reading found in Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall come, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Our third gospel reading comes from John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as if the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's good to come into the house of the Lord to worship him. I can't wait till we get to heaven. You know why? I'm going to be able to go from section to section to section to hear all different kinds of music. The strings today and the percussions, it just kind of lifted my soul. How about you, friends? What a wide variety of talent and gifts that we bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing season of year. Families are traveling cross-country to spend a couple of days together during this season where families gather, exchange gifts, and have family time together. I want to share... I do see a few of you out there. There are a few kids. There they are. Eight, nine, 34, 62. It's Christmas time, isn't it? And this is just a lead in to our message today. Part of Christmas time is the time that we enjoy as family. And so it's always that search for the perfect gift, isn't it? What is it the other person wants? And it's a real mystery. Unless, of course, your spouse leaves you a list. In which case, if you're a male, you take that list to the nearest store, and you're a person on the mission. You just go in. It doesn't matter what it costs. Here's the credit card. I'm in and out in three minutes flat. Would you please wrap it and put a bow on it? And make sure you get the spelling of her name correctly. The family was all gathered. All of the Christmas shopping was done. And they sat around... And everybody opened their gifts, one after the other, waiting to see what the other one received. There was the perfume. There was the electronic Game Boy. There was, of course, the mandatory Christmas sweater, some scarves, and some mittens. The six-year-old in the family grew increasingly quiet as the last gift was opened. For you see, he had been for the last two months dropping hints. And there wasn't anything under the tree that was large enough to be his present. He had pointed it out in a store several times. The exact color the right size wheels on it, the right handlebars, the right seat, 
The petals all were described to his parents very what he thought quietly without notice. And he was confident if Christmas traditions would be repeated, surely it would be under the tree that year. There was what seemed for him in eternal silence at the end of the Christmas openings, uh, Christmas gift openings. A slight tear welled up in the side of his eye as he realized that maybe he hadn't been good enough. Oh, but wait just a moment. After about a minute, Grandma, sitting to the left of the group, said, I believe there's one more gift to be opened. And everybody looked at her. How could that be? All the gifts under the tree are gone. Would you go downstairs and see what's in the garage? Pointed to the young six-year-old, made his way halfway down the stairs. As dad had slipped down in the garage, and rolled out that brand new bicycle. And only as a six-year-old can do, he let out a shrill that filled the house. All right! And Christmas was complete for him. And the family was joyous in sharing their love for one another. Gathering together as we do so. We do, we do so to express love to our families, um, to the uh, moms and dads, sons and daughters. And so often at the end of that, we bundle up the reft, uh, leftover paper, we clean up the house, we put away the dishes, and Christmas is done for another year. Waiting for another year. And somehow in all of the hustle and bustle, somehow in all of the flying across country, somehow with all of the cider and the hot chocolate and the religious services, things slip by. And where is Christ in the Christmas? I'd like to take you back to the Christmas story this morning once again. Our message is entitled, This Changes Everything. The Christmas story starts out, starts out so slowly, starts out so beautifully with angels proclaiming the birth of Christ. One of the places that I like to, uh, like to go by when I'm doing hospital visitation is I like to go by uh, the maternity section where the babies are displayed. And you can look in the window. And I just do that occasionally, and I'm going, I wonder, is that child going to be an engineer? Is that child going to be a missionary? Is that child going to be a school teacher? Is that child going to be a chemical engineer? And you look at the children in that nursery, and you wonder, you wonder, how are they ever going to make it through life? in the complexities of the society that we live in? What kind of family life are they going home to? How will they react 
to the environment that they're raised in? Will they be given all of the opportunities that they should be afforded so that they can grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ? There it was, the manger scene. Angels proclaiming the birth of Christ. A story you've read scores of times. But this, this changes everything. For you see, we've had births of other significant people. Tell, can you tell me who was born on February? Now, this is just a quiz. We're going to move quickly. Don't get too sidetracked. Who was born on February 12, 1809? Very good. You guys are sharp. Who was born on January 15, 1929? Martin Luther King. Excellent. Did he change the world? Ushering in equal rights? Who was born on October 28, 1955? That's <laughs> Thank you. Wasn't too far off. I am somewhere beyond fire and somewhere beyond wood. Um, October 28, 1955, Bill Gates. Did he change the world? Absolutely. February 24, 1955, Steve Jobs changed the world with Apple computers the way that we do things. Oh, we must step up to May 14, 1984. May 14, 1984. You, you know, probably most of you here today use um, his software. Mark Zuckerberg, that's correct. Facebook, how many billions of people on it now? Two or three and still climbing? August 6, On a, on a different note, not all, uh, not all impacts on society are the same. August 6, 1891, was a medical discovery that changed, changed things for all time as Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. January 27, 1756. Somebody should know that. Music. January 27, 1756. Correct, Mozart. One more. January 4, 1643. From mathematics background. Very good. Isaac Newton. You're a sharp group today. They all changed the world in very significant ways. They made society better. They helped mankind. But I'm going to suggest to to you today, that they only were a micro-scratch in the history of the world. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ changed everything. Everything when he was born. So what do I mean by everything? Let's parcel this out just for a couple of minutes. One of the first things that he changed was time. Time. We live, we live as a society pretty much in the moment. I want that 
and I want it now. And when I'm done with it, I want that, and I want it now. And we go from moment to moment, and we center our lives many times in the moment, not, re- not realizing the vastness of time. How do you capture and understand eternity? How does a, a finite mind comprehend the infinite? But in Christ's birth, he took all that which was past, God came down, incarnate in the birth and life of the baby, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing because all of history points forward to that point. And all that has happened since that time points back to that point as a source of salvation. And again, points forward to another advent when he will come again soon. He changed time for all eternity. He allows us to realize that our lives are not just a moment that goes by unnoticed. He allows us to realize the value that God places on our lives in giving His only begotten Son. He has designed us for eternity. He has designed you to live forever. And if He comes before you draw your last breath, that's what you'll do. Time is different because Jesus changed it. Nobody else could, but he did. Does it give you a different perspective of order in your life? Does it give you a different perspective of meaning and allowing yourself to say, wait a minute, I feel this way right now, but I'm going to look beyond this moment into the day, the week, the month, and the broader picture that God has for my life. Christ's birth in the manger changes everything. It's unique. The king of the universe born in a stable, a humble beginning. You would think that he would be born in a palace, the son of God definitely deserving of it. But by his coming to be with us, John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, is where we're going to anchor, uh, anchor ourselves today. If you have your scripture reading, you might want to take it out of your Bibles. You'll find it right at the bottom. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. There are three things that I would just like us to center around this morning. One is the first part of that verse. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The first thought is that Christ dwelt among us. Then we're going to look at the results of that dwelling in just a moment. It gives a significant comfort to me and I hope to you to realize that we don't go through this life alone. In the high points, where is Christ? Where is He? Where is He? 
He's with us. Where is he today? In heaven. Out there. Out there. Out there. Out there. And where is he today? In here. Dwelling with us. You see in society today, we get so busy. Dwelling, uh, the word in the Hebrew for dwelling, uh, the dwelling place in Bible times was so critically important. There weren't any Marriott hotels. There weren't any freeways. To dwell with somebody was to abide with them. To walk alongside, to eat at their table, to spend the night, to learn about their lives, to share their common interests, to share the burdens that they bear. That dwelling, uh, that dwelling peace we read so frequently without ab absorbing what God wants us to absorb when he describes, this is Emmanuel, God with us. That changes everything. You see, I could have a lot of people with me today. A lot of people that are, uh, many people who are my friends. Many people who are wise people. But I want to have Jesus with me today. Dwelling with me. And that makes all of the difference. There's two things, though, that he brings to us. God dwelling with us. It says, and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. We beheld the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to pick up on the last part of those two and explore those for just a few moments uh, this morning. I'd like to look at truth for just a couple of minutes because in Christ we find, uh, we find truth. The Scripture says that uh, we have truth in the Scripture, not multiple truths. It says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy what? Thy word is truth. So why do I start with truth? I start with truth because you need to know what is true. If the Bible is just man's fables, set it aside. If the Bible is truth, build your life on the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ and the only begotten of the Father, full of glory, grace, and what? Truth. So we build and center our lives around the truth as it is in Jesus. But the truth today, friends, is that being a Christian in this world is tough. For just as soon as Christ, Christ was born, everything changed. Everything changed. King Herod heard from the wise men, the Savior, the Savior was born. Evil reared its ugly head. Out went the death degree. Every young child under the age of two was to be killed. So much goodness.
coming from the Father. And Satan can't stand it. We live in a conflicted world. And if you are being, if you are being beaten back by Satan today, understand Jesus is right there to dwell with you. Understand that life is tough. Understand that two days after Christmas, the joy may dissipate. Understand that pain comes into your life. But when you have Jesus dwelling with you, you have all of the resources of heaven to come to your aid. Do you believe that, friends? It's a good place to be. Jesus dwelling with us. It's a good place to be in the truth that the devil will not win. It's a good place to be, to have the assurance that he is right there and understands what it means to be fully human and even more complex to be fully divine. Because through it all, he could have decided, Father, do with this human race what they deserve. I'm ready to go home. But he stayed and took on humanity and offered himself on the cross. Full of truth. Full of truth. The glory, though, is also the other side of that coin at the start there. What is the glory of Christ? It's the glory of Christ is his grace. Grace and truth. Many times Christians, while meaning, get the two kind of backwards. Let me tell you, friend, you don't know Christ. I will convince you who Christ was. Fulfilled Bible prophecy. See right here, 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 right here. You have to be a Christian. Oh, the pain that we cause one another sometimes. People sometimes need the grace before they can absorb the truth. Does that make sense? All it would have taken, all it would have taken, instead of sending the angels and his son, was to send the angels and tell the world the truth. It's over. No grace there. Just judgment. But that's not what the Father sent. The Father sent His only begotten Son. A baby, helpless and dependent. Christ is the perfect example of God's loving grace. Living human grace is expressed by Christ. Caring for the poor and the needy. Caring for the marginalized. Caring for the children. Jesus blesses everyone. Matthew 19, we'll not turn there. I'll just give you the essence of it. Jesus was always looking out for those who may not be fully appreciated by others in society. Jesus blessed the children. He said some children were brought to him so that he might lay hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him. And Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them for coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as what? As these. 
I love that verse. Do you? Wait a minute, Lord. You've allowed me to age a, a few decades. Let's put that in reverse. Take me back to being a child because I want to be part of that group that, has the, uh, that enters into the kingdom. We sometimes miss. We sometimes miss the value of our children and expressing love to them. There isn't... Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb just for a moment. There probably is no one here. Uh, that was too strong a word. Probably most of you here, children and grown children alike, at some time in your life, thought your parents didn't treat you very well. Don't raise your hands. No pointing fingers. The truth is, parents are as human as children are children. And they're figuring out life also. And this thing called parenting. So when you get really upset, boys and girls, young adults, when you get really upset about your parents, just be real careful. Because unless you try real hard, Someday in the future, you're going to say, oh my goodness, I'm just like mom or dad. It just happens that way. So cut them, cut them some slack. But also realize the value that God places on the child, the young adult, as they grow in Christ. Those that are often taken for granted, he pays special attention to. Galatians says that in Christ... We marginalize different people in society for different reasons. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. With the birth of Christ, it changed everything. No longer are you to consider yourself more important or less important. No longer are you to neglect somebody because they talk a little differently than you do. No longer are you to marginalize somebody because they think differently than you do. You have different spiritual gifts. This is Christ's family, for we are one in Christ Jesus. That changes everything. Do you believe it, friends? How many families do we have here today? Oh, let me see. Galatians says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. A living grace that cares for the poor, that is charitable, that brings healing. This is a Christ that dwells with us. It is the Christ that we can come to with all of our cares, as Peter 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Luke says in Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. The good news is, as God dwells with us, 
He comes alongside of us. He heals our broken spirits. He mends our souls. He brings that joy to us. But there's also the truth again and the graciousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because from the cradle, the cradle changes everything. We must go to the end of the story so we get the arch effect. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, talks about the dwelling place. And I'm going to go there in just one moment. I would just point one thing out. If you take your bulletin home today, take your bulletin home today, fold it up, stick it in your Bible, and read those readings every day for a week, it will give, it will just feed your soul. Have you noticed that? Just read the same passages. They were to call him Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And so we find in the end a picture of the dwelling place of God. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to conclude with this verse. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. The dwelling place in the manger, the dwelling place through the stream of time, today, the next moment, the next week, the next month, the next year, until Jesus comes and he will dwell among his people and they shall be his people. I can't wait for that day. How about you, friends? But it would never have happened. It could never have happened if it had not been for the manger birth. The birth of Jesus changed everything. Verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. From the manger to the second coming, he dwells with us. And that changes everything. Let us pray. Father, in the quietude of this place, we have come to worship. We've looked back. We've looked back on the gift of your only begotten Son who dwells with us. We've looked back at his life in the full glory of the grace that he bestows to this world and to us. We look forward through the truth that one day you're coming again soon. 
and Father, through the complexities of life, we would ask that you would heal us. Bring to us a greater sense of your peace, a greater sense of your wholeness, that we are one in Christ, a greater sense of living in your presence and living in your time. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son because his life changes everything. Amen. Father, it's been good to worship you this morning. Father, dwell within our hearts, our lives, that joy might be full, that our lives might be filled with your joy in such a way that it just runs out into others' lives. So, Father, bless us as we seek to honor and glory you this day. In our hearts, our homes, and our lives, Father, we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.